ELC Radio. Imagine with me for a moment what could be. Imagine a world where men lead in their marriages, where men lead in raising their children, where men lead in protecting those who are weak and oppressed. It is the most important journey you could possibly be on. Men of ELC, join us for Kingsman, the second Friday of each month at 7 p.m. Iron sharpens iron. God is going to cause you to change and he's going to cause you to take your promised land, but you got to quit looking for a get rich quick scheme. Come on, somebody. God is thinking peace of you and not evil. That when he thinks about your life, he's not mad at you. The strongest people are people that understand togetherness. All throughout your life, you're on this journey to go from me to we. Love God. Lift others. Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. jump right into the word now. You guys ready for the word? Praise God. We're going to continue this series on crooks, thieves, and thugs. And I hope you've been getting something out of this series. Uh, We've got some great things coming up. We're getting ready for our next series. We're going to talk about the God of miracles. Amen. Wow. Got three amens. Y'all going to make me work today, huh? All right. That's okay. I said we're going to talk about the God of miracles. We never want to lose sight that God is a God of miracles. We're in a season right now where we need miracles and they're coming. And I want miracles to be a part of your life. Your family needs miracles to get to where you need to be in your destiny. We all need miracles, but miracles don't happen until you believe for them. Miracles don't happen until you use faith. Every miracle in the spirit takes a correlating action in the natural. There's keys to miracles. Most of us want miracles to fall from heaven. That's why you don't have miracles. God usually says, you do this and I release a miracle. There's a correlating action in the natural and in the spirit. We're going to get into that in a little while. But before we can get you to that, we got to deal with the crooks, thieves, and thugs in every Christian's life. Uh, And this this whole series started because after 20 years of serving God, I'm tired of seeing Christians not experience the abundant life. Like, we're just okay going to heaven. And that, that, that aggravates me because Jesus died for way much more than that. Don't get me wrong. Heaven's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. Guys, we, we, we can't even fathom what heaven is going to be like. But he never destined us to have eternal life later. He wants us to have it now. 
John 10, 10 says he's come to give us the abundant life, a better life than you could ever ask or dream of. He wants to give that to you now. But if you and I are honest, most Christians don't live that life. They live in a limited lifestyle. So if you take this message serious, it could literally change the course of your destiny. It literally will change the type of person you marry one day, type of kids you have one day, type of career you have, the house you live in, the life that you experience if you get what I'm putting down. Amen. And so go back and listen to this on the podcast. The first crook in your life that we talked about is dishonor towards God. Just a quick review. Dishonor towards God. What is dishonor towards God is when you choose to serve him like you want to serve him rather than how the word tells you to serve him. We see this with Cain and Abel. God said, I need a blood sacrifice. Abel says, cool. He sacrifices a lamb. Cain says, yeah, but I'm a farmer. God understands. I'm just going to give him what I can produce. Guys, God don't want what you can produce. He wants obedience. We see this today. God says, come before my presence with thanksgiving, a praise in your heart, lifted hands, singing, music. So we do all this, but some of us still choose to come into the house of God and just, you know what that's called? Dishonor towards the Lord. You say, well, at least I came to church. Yeah, you hear, you hear, and that's good. Don't want to say that's not. But if you really want to experience something in the house of God, you got to bring honor. And so even though I don't feel like it, I lift a hand. Even though I don't feel like it, I clap. I might not like the singers. I clap and sing anyway. We'll pray for you if you don't, because we got really good, sweet people up here. But you see what I'm saying. Even though you don't feel like it, it's a sacrifice unto the Lord. Most Christians don't live like that. Tell your neighbor, but I ain't most Christians. Most Christians don't tithe. Talking about, oh, I love the Lord. I just love the Lord. But offering time comes around, oh, well, you know, God, you know, he understands. No, he understands you got a Cain spirit. And until you understand that dishonor towards God steals your blessings, you'll never have the abundant life. Go back and listen to that message. Number two, we talked about the second thief in your life is an unrenewed mind. That's why we come, one of the reasons we come to church on Sunday. So I could give you some word to change how you think. Because how you've been thinking has been messing up your life. You keep thinking on that way, you'll never have the abundant life. Jesus came to bring us the kingdom. Remember, what does that word kingdom mean? It means this, God's way of doing things. Jesus came to show you how God does things, to give you God thoughts. There's a way God views uh, everything in life, and it's usually the opposite of what you've been raised to think. Amen? So we got to learn the ways of the kingdom. God wants to teach you new ways of looking at life. All right. So you start learning those ways. You'll learn and you'll experience the abundant life. Right. Amen. Amen. Some of us don't want to renew our minds. So we come to church, but we still think like a thug. We come to church and we still think like the woman that used to go to the clubs. We come to church, but we're still messed up in our thinking. Right. So when you do that, you rob yourself. You rob yourselves. It's not until you turn over your way of thinking in exchange for God's way of thinking. An unrenewed mind will always rob you of God's best. 
And number three, the third thing we talked about that was also, this one was more of a thug in your life, is the spirit of fear. The Bible says that God has not given you a spirit of fear. So if it didn't come from God, you shouldn't want it. I said, if it didn't come from God, you shouldn't want it. If it didn't come from God, quit owning it. Well, that's just my anxiety. My anxiety? No, no, no. God didn't give you that. So quit saying that. As long as you owning it, it ain't going nowhere. Kick that out. Get rid of that. Well, you know, I just have this fear of this, of that. Get rid of that fear because the Bible says God didn't give that to you. If it didn't come from God, guess where it came from? So why are you making a pet of something that comes from Satan? Why are you owning something, this gift from the devil? Now, listen, as I'm saying this, I'm not trying to be insensitive to people that deal with anxiety. That is a very real thing. It enters into your life through trauma, something you didn't ask for. So I'm not trying to make you feel bad about it. But what I am trying to do, again, is renew your mind that you don't have to accept it and keep it. Okay, I, I, I'm struggling with anxiety, but don't say it's my anxiety. He say, Pastor, what does that mean? Why, why does that little thing matter? Because it matters how you think. And God said in the word, I did not give you a spirit of fear and fear will rob from you, right? We talked about last week, beware of the second voice. What is the second voice? It's always the voice of reason and fear. Some of you came to an altar years ago and you heard God speak to you and call you into ministry and you were all on fire. Oh, pastor, what do I got to do? I know God's, there's a call on my life. But then you walked away and after a week, a second voice came. And the second voice comes and says, oh, you ain't called to do all that. You was just all emotion. You was all in your feelings. That's just because everybody else is doing You feel in that. And you get talked out of the word of God. The second voice comes. You're in a service. We're talking about pledges. You get this number. Bam, give $5,000. Okay, God, I'm going to do it. Then you leave here. You go home. You hear a second voice. $5,000? <laughs> you can't give $5,000? Where are you going to get $5,000? Oh, yeah, you right. You right. Okay, let me just give this. And we get that second voice in our mind because we fear. Guys, we got to deal with that second voice. The second voice is what jacked up Adam. Uh, uh, you understand? It's, I mean, sorry, Adam, it's jacked up Eve, which then jacked up Adam. Because God said, don't eat of the tree. The second voice came and said, why not? You better eat this. Try this. It's going to make you smart. They listen to the second voice. God shows up to Abraham and Sarah and says, I'm going to give you a son. And Sarah, you're going to have it. The second voice comes years later and, Adam, and Abraham looks at his wife and goes, she ain't having no baby. You crazy. But you know your nanny over there, Haggai, she looking good, right? Right? She'll have the baby. Abraham obeys the second voice, messes everything up. How many times have you listened to the second voice, voice instead of the first? How many times has that robbed you of your greatest blessing? Go back and listen to that message. And today, and I want to finish this up. Probably won't finish this up today, probably next week. Uh, the fourth uh, crook thief and thief in your life is isolation. Isolation. What does the word isolation mean? The, comes from, uh, in the dictionary, it talks about, it comes from the word isolated, which means having limited contact. It comes from the word isolated, it says meaning Having limited contact or little in common with others. Limited contact with others or little in common with others. It means far away from people or places. It means alone. It means single. Satan wants you isolated. 
What are characteristics of isolated people? Y'all ready for this? Social isolation, studies have shown, can lead to feelings of loneliness, fear of others, negative self-esteem, lack of consistent human contact can also cause conflict with the peripheral friends. The socially isolated person may occasionally talk to or cause problems with family members and friends. And many of you know people like that. If we're completely honest, some of you are like that. Studies have also shown that the increase, there's an increased mortality risk that is comparable to that of smoking when a person is isolated. Loneliness is about twice as dangerous as obesity. Studies have shown that social isolation can impair immune functions and boost inflammation. You know what that means? You can't fight off sickness. It boosts inflammation, which can lead to arthritis, type 2 diabetes, and heart disease. In a nutshell, folks, it's not good to be alone. Now, God told us that from the beginning. And we can come under the deception now in this day and age through social media that I'm not alone because I have a Facebook page. And I have 2,000 friends. Let me help you. Facebook friends aren't real friends. I just hurt somebody today. I just hurt somebody. Listen, we live in a day and age right now where this generation is struggling more with depression than any other generation before it. More people are committing suicide due to isolation than more than any other time in, society, in, in history. And a lot of it is because of feelings of loneliness, feelings of isolation. Because let me tell you this, as, as great as social media is, and I'm not against it, I'm on it, I partake of it, but don't get it twisted. Quit living your life through your social media. It can kill you. It could kill you. Can I talk to the ladies for a minute? Y'all ain't gonna get mad at me, ladies? Y'all ain't gonna leave the church? Because I, I gotta talk to you as a father. Can I be a father this morning? I know that might be odd for some of us that didn't have fathers, but a father needs to tell you something about social media. Don't ever eat off of social media. Don't look for social media to feed something in you. It doesn't work. It's not good. I see this with females sometimes. We need somebody to tell us we're beautiful. So we post pics to get a response. To hear words from people that don't matter. And we use that to build our egos to get us through life. But can I just tell you, it doesn't work. It's empty. It's hollow. Now, am I saying don't post selfies? No, man, post selfies. Celebrate yourself. It's all good. Amen? Tell your neighbor. <laughs> Some of you already started deleting your Instagram right now. I saw you. I saw you. Let me take that picture down. Let me take that one down. I'm not saying that, guys. But what I'm saying is, and you can see it, you know it, you see it like I do. 
You can tell when somebody is eating off of social media, trying to use social media to get social needs met, and it don't work. Listen, somebody telling you you look good on Instagram doesn't compare to somebody with skin on them walking over to you and saying, man, you look good today, real good. Oh, excuse me, sorry, sorry. I got distracted with my wife right there. <clears throat> pray for me, pray for me. But do you guys understand what I'm saying? It ain't the same thing. Do you, do you guys understand that? It ain't the same thing. It ain't the same thing when somebody walks up to you and goes, hey, man, I like that shirt. As when somebody responds on social media. As they say, it hits a little different. Is that just me, or have you guys noticed that? It's a little different. It's a little different, okay? We've got to make a distinction from the two. Because me walking up to a live person and telling, that, telling them this does a lot more than just on social media. I'm not saying don't be nice on social media and all that. You guys, can you be, can you be mature enough to hear what I'm saying and not hear what I'm not saying? You know, I'm not saying, you know, don't be on social. I'm not saying any of that. I'm on there. You know, it's good to hear that. But what I'm saying is this. Don't live by those comments. Quit getting fulfillment out of that and get it from real life. Because what you'll start doing, you'll quit pursuing those things that you should be getting in healthy relationships because you got Facebook. And you're trying to get likes and you're trying to get this. And guess what? Here's the, here's the sad thing. This is why I'm sharing this. It'll keep you in isolation because you'll think, oh, I'm good. I got, I got this. And, you know, we chat on Facebook. We chat on Instagram. We be Snapchatting in the club. And you think that's enough. Yeah, I said in the club. That's for somebody here. Three people, actually. Three. In this section. No, 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 no. I just joking. People got nervous. People got nervous right there. Uh, uh, but, but, but you hear what I'm saying? You can deceive yourself into thinking you have community when you really don't. You can deceive yourself. So, so a lot of times what I'll see in, in our young ladies is we're trying to pursue an image and get a response to feed something that can't, can't, meet, uh, can't, can't meet that appetite. In other words, it's not going to fill you up. You're still going to be empty. And now you're putting yourself out there where now you appear needy or, as the kids say, thirsty. Come on, tell your neighbor, you know he's right. You know he's right. You know it. You know he's right. And so, and so we do that sometimes. And again, I'm not saying you can't post selfies and do that, but just adjust yourself and place a higher value on getting around real people. Amen? On getting around real people. Work on yourself if you want those compliments. I know, because on Instagram, you just throw up a little, what, a filter. Right? Oh, no, I'm getting too close to home. I'm going to hurt somebody today. We could take this the right angle, right? Check this out. They did, a, they, they did a study, and they said that the average millennial will take 50 pictures before posting the one selfie. So 
Some of you going, 50? That's not bad. That's, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, he's not against social media. I'm, I'm really not. I'm really not. But here's the problem we're facing, right? We think that's community. It's not. It's, it's just not. It's something different. It's not bad. It, it doesn't have to be evil. I'm not saying it's evil. I'm just saying, put it in its proper place. Put it in its proper place. The church uses social media. We, I use social media. My family uses it. But it's in its proper place. It's not to be valued over my real community. Right? It's not to be valued because, see, when I'm around real community, I'm not isolated. Have you ever met somebody that's way cooler on social media than they are in real life? Way more funnier. Their posts are hilarious. But you meet them in person, they're like, hi, how are you doing? Nice to see you today. You go on social media and they got something to say about everybody's posts? Or how about this? How about those real mean people? Always got something to say. I always want to argue on social media. But you get them, at, you get them around normal people, they're just like, hi, how you doing? Afraid of you. Beware of those people. Pray for those people. And here's another thing. Check yourself. Because if you're a better person on social media, that just means you got to work on the real you. You should be way better in real life. Tell your neighbor, I know I am. You should be way better in real life than you are on social media. And the reason I say that is because if you're better in real life, your real life will be better. Some of y'all, Instagram life is off the chain. But your real life sucks. Your Instagram life, you're happy. You and your wife is just like chilling. It's like, yeah, kids looking all good. Your real life, all of y'all looking crusty. Everybody mad, nobody getting along, right, right? So we got to work on our real life and forget about, Now I'm not saying forget about it, but put it in its proper place. Tell your neighbor, put it in its proper place. Because isolation, guys, robs from you. It robs from you. The Bible tells us we're created to dwell in community. They prove it to you. Psalm 68, four through six. Put that on the screen there, guys. It says, sing to God, sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless. He's a father of the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. Now check this out. And God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious, they're going to dwell in a dry land. And can I just tell you, I've met so many rebellious Christians. Yeah, they said a prayer. Yeah, they love God, but they never allowed God to change their hearts. And so, just as the song says, you can't tell them nothing. 
Oh, no, 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 no. Kanye West, anyone? Anyone? All right. Wait till I get my money right. Now I feel you. Okay, now you, I caught you right there. All right. Can't tell them nothing. So guess what will happen? You'll come to church every Sunday. You'll probably go to heaven one day, but you're going to dwell in a dry land. But what would happen if we say, no, I want to do this God's way. I want to live the way he created me to live. I want to be in community. Then God says, cool, I saved you. Now I'm going to put you in a family. What is the family he's talking about? The family God is talking about is the church. It's the church. It's the habitat that he's created for you to thrive. How many know everything on earth has a natural habitat? You take a fish out of water, what's going to happen? It's going to die, right? You take a tree and you try to plant it in your house, it'll live through the holidays, right? We do that with Christmas trees. What happens to you folks that leave it up till March? It dies eventually. That's what happens to Christians. That's what happens to Christians. We, I don't need God. We stay away from church. Eventually, you're going to die. You're going to look pretty good for a while, but you're going to die. And now we live in a day and age where, and I meet them all the time. I don't go to church. I just stream it online. It ain't the same. You're, you're isolating. It's so, you're living through social media. So people are on a, at home on a Sunday streaming a church service and thinking, well, I, it was the same thing. It's not the same thing. Tell your neighbor it's not the same thing. Tell your neighbor, how long is he going to keep telling me to tell you stuff? <laughs> so let's look at this. Psalm 68, 5 through 5 through the, the Passion Translation. I like how it says it here. It says he's a fatherless. To the fatherless, he's a father. To the widow, he's a champion friend. To the lonely, he makes them part of a family. To the prisoner, he leads into prosperity until they sing for joy. For this is the holy God in our holy place. Listen to this. But for the rebels, there's heartache and despair. And I'm talking to somebody in the house today. It's time that you come up out of heartache and despair. What's God's solution to your problem? Family. Family. Now, I know that's scary because most of us came up where family wasn't a blessing. Can we keep it 100 today? You didn't grow up with the Leave it to Beaver family. You didn't grow up with the Brady Bunch. I know I'm coming up on you. You didn't grow up as the Huxtables. You was in one of them decades. You, you didn't grow up family matters, right? That wasn't your experience. What else? What other families? I don't know what it is. Fresh Prince? That wasn't really a... That, if that's your idea of family, all right. Uh. You, you, guys tra- you guys track what I'm saying? You guys track what I'm saying? Maybe your experience of family wasn't a good one. Some of us grew up abused by the ones that were supposed to take care of us. Some of us had a mom that wouldn't stop going to the club and just be with her kids. Some of us had a dad that worked too much. Some of us had a dad that wasn't even around. And so now we say, God says, your solution is family. We don't kind of, it don't hit the same. We don't get it. What does that mean? So let me break down what that means. Family means community. And his answer 
to the, uh, to the problems of the world is the local church. This is what Jesus came to reveal to us. Did you know this is one of the reasons they crucified Jesus? Because when Jesus stepped into the synagogue, he prayed like this, our father. Do you realize nobody dared address God as a father until he came? All the teachers in the temple, he was God. He was Yahweh. He was way up there. He's the creator. We're just the creation. Jesus comes, no, 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 no. Guess what? He's our father. Blew the religious minds away because that's way too personal. How dare you consider yourself offspring of the father? And that's exactly what Jesus came to bring. Now, think about it. Why did Jesus use that vernacular? Why did he use those words to describe God as father? He could have used anything. He could have said, God is our king. God is our leader. Right. But he says, no, no, no. God's your father. And if he's your father, you're his offspring. You're his child. You're his heir. And if you're his heir, guess what? You're in the family of God. But we have a problem in today's society. We don't understand family. That's why the enemy has attacked family. That's why people, God, you got to understand, Satan hates your family. He hates it. That's why your marriage is so under attack. Because if Satan can break up your family, he can ruin the next generation. That's why you go through the onslaught, the fights, all that stuff, because he's after the next generation. He wants to paint a bad picture of what it means to be in a family. Then when you come to Christ, you won't connect with God the Father. And can I just tell you, Satan's doing a pretty good job of doing that. But God's raising up churches like ours, people like you, to set things back right and understand that family is important. Family is the solution. God, Jesus came to reveal God is our father. And here's the deal. We are his family. In the words of the three prophetesses, the Pointer Sisters, or it might have been Sister Sledge, we are family. Was it Sister Sledge? We are family. Come on. I got all my sisters. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're with me. Track. I found my tribe. I found my. You're in the right church. You're in the right church. So, so we've got to understand we're family. But here's the big thing about family. Are you guys ready for this? It's going to change your life. To have a family after the order of heaven, you have to have something called order. Order. There has to be order in a family. Most of us were raised in families. There was no order. Can we, get, can we keep it 100 today? Kids ate when they wanted to eat. Kids ate what they wanted to eat. Kids sat wherever they wanted to sit. Nobody was telling you nothing. Nobody did chores in some of our houses. And some of you going, no, no, that wasn't my house. Then you need to thank your mom and dad for raising you with some order and giving you some sense. Because families need order. It's not right people come into your house and they act however they want. That's not good. That's not good. That means you don't have heaven in your house. And you'll never have it until you have order. Because the Bible says that God is a God of order. 
family of the family of God has an order. Families where you're from, maybe they don't have order. But guess what they'll never have? Heaven. Until you get order. Is this helping anybody? That's preaching way better than you're, you're letting on, but I'm believing you're digesting, you're thinking. And, and I, if you get this, it'll change everything. Because we live in a day and age where people don't understand order. Look at Matthew chapter uh, 16, verse 18 on the screen there. This is what Jesus said uh, about the church. He said, and I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, what was the rock? It was the rock of the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. And he says, upon that revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's only one thing in in the world that Jesus is building right now, and that's the church worldwide. Why is he building the church worldwide? Because it's the answer to people's problems. The church is to be a family. There is order in God's family. To be a part of God's family. Y'all ready for this? You've got to learn order starting with honor for authority. Somebody's probably saying, here he go again. He always talking about or, uh, honor. Why he always talking about honor? You know why I'm talking about it so much? Because it's a core value of this house. We honor everybody. I don't care who you are, we're going to honor you. But the Bible says one thing. You got to honor authority, godly authority. And if you weren't raised in a family where there was order, this is a new concept for you. You're going to struggle your entire life. The kids that are having problems in elementary school, sitting down and listening to the lessons is because they're not raised in a house of order. Where somebody, did you know, can I, can I help somebody here today? Did you know you could teach your kid how to sit down and be quiet? Did you know that? Because there's a lot of people that don't know that. A lot of people, they don't know that. Oh, he, he's, he's just got ADHD. He just won't. He, this is how he is. But do you know the Bible says as a parent, it's up to you to train up a child. That's just going to help. That's a side note for somebody right there. Amen. You can train them up when there's order in your house. So if we're going to have heaven's imprint on our life, and we're going to have order in our lives, we got to learn honor. Now, why am I spending time on this as we're talking about isolation? Because usually the thing that drives people away from community is they get problems with people in authority. Very rare do people quit a job because of the coworkers. They quit a job because they got problems with the boss. Very rare do people leave a church because of the people sitting around them, but they always leave in churches because of the people in authority. Now, granted, people in authority aren't always innocent. Can I get a good strong amen on that? See, we like that part. But if we don't learn that uh, authority is to be honored and valued, we'll never have it in our lives. Did Did you hear what I just said? If you don't learn to honor and value authority, you'll never have it in your life. If you don't have authority, 
That's why your kids don't listen to you. If you don't have authority, that's why you can't get the devil out of your house. Because you have no authority. I've been praying for my son for years and nothing's how's that going? And nothing's changing because you got no authority. But if you get up under some authority and you start honoring some authority, guess what's going to flood your life? Authority. And what do you need in prayer? Authority. You're praying for a job. You better have some authority to call that job out of nothing. We got some people's prayers, they're like this. My grandfather used to say something. He says, I don't want that person to pray for me because their prayer never leaves the room. I never forgot that. I was like, dang, like that? That's discernment. He said, but you pray for me. Because my prayers are, amen? And that's what I want your prayers to be like, amen? I want them to shoot through. So let me keep going so I can get you out of here. Uh, Jeremiah 3, 14 through 15. Here's here's what we're setting up right here. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. What is Zion? Zion is the church. And he says this, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. God is prophesying in the Old Testament about today. And he's using language that the people didn't understand. See, people were used to kings. People were used to prophets. People were used to priests. But the Spirit of God comes through Jeremiah and says, in the last days, I'm going to put you in Zion, which is the church. And I'm not going to give you necessarily prophets or priests or kings. I'm going to give you shepherds. I'm sure they were scratching their heads going, what's this about? Shepherds? Why why are shepherds going to lead over us? And he says, because they're going to be according to my heart and they're going to feed you with knowledge and understanding. Then it gets even deeper in verse 16. Put that up. And it says, and then it shall come to pass when you're multiplied and increased in the land in those days, says the Lord, they will say no more the ark of the covenant of the Lord. This is mind-blowing. It shall not come to mind, nor shall they remember it, nor shall they visit it, nor shall it be made anymore. Here's what God is saying. In the Old Testament, God had something called the Ark of the Covenant. If you watched Indiana Jones Part 1, you remember that? Melted their faces off? That's what they were talking about. It was a box that the Israelites had where the very presence of God dwelt in it. And you know what they did to that box? They put it in a place called the Holy of Holies. Nobody could go in there except a priest once a year. And he would go in there, and if he wasn't right, he would die. But nobody just stepped to that box. Nobody got into that Holy of Holies. And around the Holy of Holies, they put another section. And around that was the outer court. You know what they were doing? They were showing honor to that box because God's presence was in it. In the last days, God says, I'm getting rid of that box. And I'm going to give you shepherds. And the shepherds, oh, you need to hear this. The shepherds replace the box with my presence in it. I said the shepherds replace the box with my presence in it. How did the Israelites treat the box with his presence? They honored it. They sacrificed before it. They wouldn't dare step to it or touch it. 
What replaces that in our day? Shepherds. But guess how the church in America treats its shepherds? We talk bad about them. Come on, somebody. We criticize them. We keep them poor. We, every time they make a mistake, we hold it over their head. We don't honor the presence like the Israelites honored it. Are you guys tracking with me today? Now, why am I spending time on this? It's because if you don't learn to honor authority in the house of God, you're holding up. Remember, it's crooks, thieves, and thugs. You are being robbed of what you should be getting in your relationship with God. And it's all because we're too stubborn to honor the order that God has set up. Are you tracking with me today? So until we learn to honor authority, guess what? We're never going to have the abundant life. So it's not just my authority and my wife's authority. If you're on the usher team, you better honor the head ushers and their authority. And they say, you know what? We're going to change everything. We ain't doing it like we used to do. Ushers come out of the meeting. I don't know why we got to do that. Jack's just being stupid. Why we got to do it? He don't know it all. I, was a, I used to be the head usher, and we used to do it this way. Dishonor. Take another lap. Remember that? Take another lap. Israelites, the promise is right. Israelites, the promised land's right there, but you can't enter it, so keep walking around the wilderness. That's you until you learn honor in the house of God. Until you learn honor in your house. And guess what, parents? You got to teach your kids to honor you. You know why your kids talk to you the way they do? Because when they were little, you never taught them. You don't talk to me like that. With a little whoosh. Not in the face. Not in the face. Never hit your kids in the face. You know why? It brings shame. Don't do it. Don't do it. There's a little place on the backside. Got some padding on it. People don't know what that padding is for. It's for you to put a little cinto on it, maybe, and help teach them. Listen now, help teach them order. You don't talk to your mom like that. My kids don't talk to me like that. They don't come out of pocket with me. They get mad at me, but they don't do that to me. You want to know why? Because when they were little, we taught them. You don't teach them when they're little. I'm afraid of what's happening when they're older. Amen? It all comes down to order. And people that don't understand order, listen, always defer to isolation. Always defer to isolation. Some of you, you just thought, well, this is just the way I am. I never fit in. You don't fit in because you're rebellious. No, 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 pastor. I'm just different. I'm just different. Yeah, I'm different. I'm different. Yeah. Sorry, I just be having these things hit me. Pray for me. Pray for me. We make excuses for our isolation. That's just the way I am. And, you know, I'm just different. People don't understand me. No, but see what it is, is you're rebellious and you've elevated how you are above everybody else, and you won't change. So you're just going, well, I'm going to be alone then. 
But God did not create you to be alone. He puts us in families. So if I'm going to be in a family, guess what we got to do in a family? We got to change to accommodate others in the family. I know that's different than what the world tells you. Do you, boo. Just do you. Just do you. They, you need to do, they, you do you. What's that? What's that? Then they'll tell you things like, you just need to go where you're celebrated and not tolerated. And that's, you, that sounds so good to the ego. That's true. If you ain't going to get down with how I'm, then forget you then. Isolation. But guess what? There's some truth in that. People should celebrate you. But maybe they don't celebrate you because there ain't nothing to celebrate. Because you rude, you mean, you ugly. So I don't want to just be around people that are celebrating me. I want to be around people that are tolerating me. You want to know why? Because there's some stuff in me you're going to have to tolerate. Because I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, and we're not called to be perfect. I want somebody that's going to give me a pass every now and again. Right? Right? And we've been giving some of you a pass a while, and you just seeing we ain't celebrating you. Well, just be happy we've been tolerating you before you run off. Are you guys tracking with me? And most of the time, it's because we elevate this thing of dishonor towards authority. So here's some homework for you. If we're going to stop this thief from robbing you of friendships, keeping you isolated, you got to take the responsibility for your life. Stop saying things like, I ain't got no friends. Well, I just don't have anybody in my life. Listen, we, my wife and I have been through seasons where it just didn't seem like we had any confidants in our life. And you know what I've done in those times where it didn't seem like I had any really close friends? I looked towards heaven and said, God, well, what do I have? And God would show me people in my life that I would be like, yeah, God, but, you know, they're not this. Yeah, God, but they don't understand. And I would keep them at a distance. And then God said, but that's what you have. Because, see, there's a principle in the word of God. If you work with what God's given you, he can do a lot. Remember the five loaves uh, the two, and the two fish? The, the, was it the, the five loaves and the, fi- the two fishes? Did I say that right? Right? Okay. Five loaves and two fishes, right? A little boy has them for lunch. I always tripped on that. I was like, dang, who was his mom? He got five loaves for lunch? And two whole fishes? You got a Mexican mom. You know how your Mexican mom be doing, sending you with a big bag of burritos? Mom, it's just me. So he goes, five loaves and two fishes ain't enough to feed thousands. But what did, they, what did the disciples do? Use what they had. I'd be waiting. There'd be seasons in my life where I'd be like, man, I wish I just had a good pastor friend that really understands what I'm going through and that I could just tell everything to and and he'll be there for me. And I didn't have that. And so instead of just going, well, I don't have it. 
I've learned to go, but what do I have? And I had a pastor friend that had a smaller church than me that wasn't like me, but he was a friend. And I started calling him up. I say, hey, how you doing? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I need to get around some people. I need to get around some other guys and rubbing shoulders. But you know what the most of us do? We disqualify everybody around us. That's why some of us don't go to Kingsman. That's why some of you ladies don't go to Propel. Well, I, I just don't relate to anybody in the group. But that's what God has given you. Work that. Work that. Tell your neighbor, work that. But point at them like this too, because that means something. Work that. Work that. Stop looking and going, I don't have, I don't have. Do what the widow did. God said, but what do you have? She said, I got a little jar of flour and some oil. He said, make something out of that. I just don't have the right friends. Well, what friends do you have? Well, I just, I really don't get people at church. I just don't get them. Man, fight against that. Fight against that. Because listen, a prosperous, a person with a, with a healthy soul and a healthy mind can get around anybody and be okay. Can I tell you what weak people do? Weak people can only hang out with people just like them. That's why we got some family members that only hang out with their family. Only hang out with their family. That's it. Ain't got no other friends, just family. And they just champion that. Well, we're just family and we're proud of it. No, what you're doing is saying you can't get around nobody else because everybody else thinks you're crazy. But when you get around your family, well, we're all crazy. And it's comfortable. And we don't have to change. And we don't have to start thinking bigger. We just can be crazy together. No, you need to get around some folks that aren't like you. You need to experience life through their eyes. That's what I love about traveling the nations. Guys, do you know I could go to any nation in the world and feel at home? Any nation. I take some people on mission trips with me. They're like, I just can't wait to get back to South Sac. I just miss home a lot. I'm just a little homesick. You'll be fine. It's a 10-day trip. 10 days. Yeah, it's just, it's just hard for me. You know why it's hard? Because you're weak in your soul. You're so damaged. You get around other things and you feel a way about it. But when you just stay at home, ah, it feels good. You know what that thing is you feel when you get around other people? It's the need to change. And it's very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to get around folks that aren't like you. Guys, that's why when I got saved, I got saved in a church that was 95% white. 95% white. 95% white. Nothing wrong with white people, but can I tell you something? It was different. It was different. They sang songs like this once again. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When I would leave my car listening to Luke and the two live crew coming into the service to that. But I had enough sense to know that's where God led me. Then check this out. Then my first church that God sends me to is a Spanish church. 
to Spanish church. He sends me to be a youth pastor at a church that my father went to as a, as a, a teenager. It was called Luz del Valle, Light of the Valley. Everybody in there spoke Spanish. They said, build a youth group. I said, cool. I sat in there on Sundays. Now I'm in a different group of people. I don't feel at home. But what did they have? What did I have to do to be a part of that group? I had to change. And I changed to be in that community. I did so well, I went to another Spanish church called El Bien Pastor, and they made me the senior pastor. The first church I pastored was a Spanish church. My congregation was all cannery workers. So during the summer, guess what would happen when the canneries were cranking? Nobody come to church. We had 10 people in church. So when the cannery would close in November, December, January, we had a church of about 200 people. Summer months, we we're lucky to get 50 people. And they didn't like hip-hop music. They didn't know who Dr. Dre was. Can, can I say the Dr. Dre? But I had to be in that community. So I had to change. So I bought me a cowboy hat. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I didn't do all that. Come on. It was an internal change. Then God sends me out to Florida around a whole nother group of people. And I could have got mad and said, man, I don't like it here. But you know what I've learned to value above anything else is the cluster, community. Fight against isolation. And I want to leave you with this. Tell your neighbor he's getting ready to close. Tell your neighbor now, leave me alone. <laughs> Isaiah 65, 8. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one says, do not destroy it, for there's a blessing in it. So will I do for my servant's sake that I may not destroy them all. Guys, the thing that's stealing from this abundant life that you got is you trying to do life by yourself. You trying to do life just me, myself, and I. You trying to do life just you and your little family. That is not how we're created to walk this new life. Get rid of isolation. Let's start honoring everyone. Not just those in authority, but it does start there, honoring everyone. Value the cluster. Get around people that aren't like you. Stop excusing yourself and start getting into the order of God. I think that this is your way of telling me something. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store and you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.